This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, or whatever. You don't really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, capusta, bumpy, padoli, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. I'm Jay Kokorowski. We've got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, here for the next hour. Uh, maybe a little bit less, depending on how much we can get through. Uh, some big news coming through. Obviously, uh, we have not, of course, the night that we do do the latest edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. We are maybe two hours too early as well now this episode a week later we'll discuss the retirement the sudden retirement of former wisconsin badgers head coach bo ryan uh we'll discuss that maybe towards the bottom of the hour uh we'll also talk uh we have uh some obviously we'll talk about the green bay packers taking on the arizona cardinals you know a big matchup possibly with the bye on the line packers still have that possibility of that uh, we'll talk about the offense and and even though they Came away with the win against Oakland. Uh, obviously, it still seems there's some seeds of discord and disconnect. So we'll discuss that in just maybe a couple minutes. Uh, also, just some quick news. It looks like Wisconsin Badgers, uh, in terms of recruiting, which I know is Scotty's favorite uh, oh, yeah. subject. I I know, but we have we have to say it. Just basically, there's there's two. Actually, it's confirmed two early enrollees uh, with uh, quarterback Kare Lyles, uh, son of former Wisconsin Badgers tight end Kevin Lyles. He signed on early. He is the he is now uh, will be enrolled in the spring semester. So will Fort Lauderdale linebacker Dallas Janty, uh, the who's got a great story. Hopefully we can hopefully we can talk with him sometime during the spring and get his story from from being homeless and and not having a place mm-hmm. to uh working his way up to be a three-star linebacker and obviously now a Wisconsin <coughs> Badger. So uh, so there and some news there, but then obviously with what's been going on, obviously the Pro Bowl nominees or the Pro Bowl uh, participants have been named, and you're looking at right now Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers, Josh, Josh sitting on the Packers have been announced for this year's Pro Bowl, as well as former Badgers. You have J.J. Watt, quarterback Russell Wilson, Center Travis Frederick, which is, uh, you know, which is, uh, I think it's his first, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then also you have, of course, nine years, nine Pro Bowls, the constant, uh, one of the only good things on the Cleveland Browns, Joe Thomas, left tackle, uh, and uh, congrats to, to everyone there. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit down the road. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more Pro Bowl maybe. Uh, but we are well, here you with know, Scotty. Let me just point. Let me just think. I, I think it's odd, it, not unwarranted, however, that you have a a ten win team that only has three Pro Bowlers on it. Um, and one of them, I mean, Aaron Rodgers certainly not having his best year. I don't think he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFC right now. This year, this year, overall, absolutely. 
but Carson Palmer, Cam Newton clearly had his shoulders above him. Tom Brady in the AFC, of course. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It is It is kind of what it is. I mean, you know, the reputation helps them this year with the fan vote, I'm sure. It just interesting kind of shows you this team, again, three pro bowlers only, um, but a team that's in first, but the offensive issues, the question marks, uh, have, have continued to grow. There have been defensive question marks for seemingly the last five years and some up-and-down performances. Um, but I think Oddly enough, I think three is warranted, and maybe in some cases, one too many. Yeah, obviously the name precedes themselves, and it's and who knows if he'll actually participate. You're looking at the fact that obviously they're nominated or they're the participants of you know, and then you have your alternates. Who knows if they'll actually play? But, well, he was hurt last year. He was nursing an injury going into that Seattle game in the year before as well. He had the collarbone he was coming off of, so. You know, who knows? Right. I guess it will depend on how he feels and how the season ends, I guess. Right. Obviously, if they somehow do make it to the – not saying they will by any stretch, but um, if they make it far in the playoffs beyond that point, maybe that's when you'll start seeing him uh, go there. By the way, just as an FYI, just if people didn't know, uh, which is actually it's, – it's a, a position that if you don't exactly uh, – if you're not – uh, known for it. You won't know yourself unless you screw up, but Long Snapper, they just placed four hours ago, it was just announced that Long Snapper Brett Good was placed on IR uh, and uh, it's announced it was for Tuesday, and so that, that's uh, it's due to a knee injury, and they signed a, uh, let's see, who is this? They have signed Long Snapper Rick Lovato, who is a six foot two, 249-pound rookie out of Old Dominion, and was originally actually in the Chicago Bears camp, which, like I said, well, it's something to look out for. Special teams, special teams, actually been pretty much a plus for the Packers this year. They've played strong, outside of some field goal misses and maybe some punting here and there, but their coverage units have been really strong. Yeah. We'll see how much that affects them. So, um, wow. all right, so yeah. let's, let's get in. Let's get into the win. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm a believer. I, I'm not I'm not going to sweep the issues under the rug with the offense. Let's start with the most important thing. Because I'm not a believer in style points in the NFL. You get a, win, a road win is a road win, and <clears throat> beat an Oakland team that came off of a victory in Denver. So let's get that out of the way first before we start picking apart the things that are wrong or perceived to be wrong or things that just don't feel right for this team. They're, they got ten wins. Okay, so there's that. Now, the defense played well. They converted some turnovers, a couple of breakdowns in. in the secondary covering Amari Cooper, but for the most part, 20 points held them to great. Now let's figure out this disconnect thing, because I think there's a little bit more to it than, you know, Clemens being replaced by McCarthy. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between the offensive scheme and the scheme that they want to run and the scheme that Aaron Rodgers wants to run. I think there's a disconnect between the personnel that, is on the field and the personnel that Aaron Rodgers would love to have on the field. I also think that a lot of this would be alleviated. I know it's a team sport. I don't need people to call me up and tell me that. However, if his deep threat, Jordy Nelson, were healthy, I think if Ty Montgomery were healthy, it wouldn't even matter that Devontae Adams has been pretty much an abstract failure this year or that James Jones hit a wall near midway through the season 
or that Randall Cobb's been minimized because he's not big enough to really be a number one. He's a great athlete and a great weapon, but he needs a comp- he needs to complement the number one receiver. So I think a lot of that would be alleviated if Montgomery and especially if Jordy Nelson were healthy, but they're not. So still two games in the regular season and at least one playoff game. So they need to somehow figure out some of this. Now Corliss was uh, activated when Montgomery went on the IR. Will that help a different weapon that might be able to help stretch the field uh, at the tight end spot? Perhaps. Would a more consistent Eddie Lacy, who was great and then subpar again this week, you know, maybe a little bit more consistency out of him, will that help? Sure. Um, if they win the division, they'll get a home game. It could be a cold, bad weather game, and that's where a guy like Eddie Lacy could be great and could pay dividends. Um after that, though, if they don't get the buy, after that they either will travel to a warm weather Arizona or possibly a warm weather Carolina, and uh, then you know maybe it's not such a, a weather affected game. So I don't know, Jake. I mean, I those are just some of my observations and, and opinions, but I think the disconnect is between the scheme that's in place and the scheme that Aaron Rodgers wants to run. And I think you can tell by some of the way the post game interviews and comments are phrased by both the Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers. But uh, a little bit dysfunctional. Nothing that, again, nothing that you necessarily have to push the panic button over for long term. But for this year, it's a concern. And I think it's going to be the mitigating factor that keeps them from going far in the playoffs. I think, yeah, I think it's part of it's the scheme. I think part of it's, I mean, obviously the execution. And you mentioned it, and you know, what you just described mentions that the execution where. Randall Cobb isn't necessarily tall, or maybe necessarily has the length of a Jordan Nelson to be number one. You, there's certain just the execution with Devontae Adams not really you know, obviously five catches, 32 yards, but some drops and just did not. He looked out of place uh, against Oakland like he has for most of the season. You have James Jones you mentioned there, where I mean obviously he led the team with six catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown, but he hasn't been able to get open. The, the big key is separation and Rogers doesn't like throwing in those, in those tight windows. And un, unlike a, a former quarterback that used to uh, do that quite often, but uh, you have this simple fact that, yeah, there's part of it is execution part and part of it's the scheme. And, and maybe there's a little bit of discussion, you know, you mentioned too, with, with the play calling and, and Rogers, I think obviously has a good rapport with, with Clements, the, the associate head coach and, and and, and now you're looking at the fact that with how this is going, it's, I mean, obviously there's some discord there. I think it's like a combination of just, the, like I said, the scheme. But, you know, I mean, with that comes the execution where they feel that they have to go this route. They're not crisp still. And it, it'll be interesting to see. And you even hear with comments from Rogers, you know, like you mentioned, he has there right now still trying to figure out what's going on with that offense. Uh, he, he mentioned Aberdares' name is getting him on the field now, and like I said, it's stuff like this where uh, when you have uh, you know, and obviously Jared Aberdares, uh, you know, three catches, 33 yards, that's great. But you know, uh, he mentioned that oh, he gets open, he should be on the field longer. Do you think, Scotty, when like Rogers makes that open comment, and obviously there's great that's great praise for the former Wisconsin walk-on, but is that something that you keep in in house? Do you what comments do you keep in house? What comments? Do you do you let it be known? And obviously, especially with that saying he needs to get on the field more. That's that's more on the play calling. That's more on the personnel. That's more on whatever the coach calls. And obviously, Rodgers has that ability to audible out and and and, and do check. Maybe, and, maybe, well, maybe maybe not. 
because I, I know that some people, you know, who completely think that, you know, completely jumped the shark when he got drafted and think Aberderis is going to be the next Steve Largent, think that that's, that, that that means um, he's saying that the coaches are wrong for not playing. Maybe, he's, maybe he means it like, look, he's been working hard. He's doing all the right things. He should get an opportunity. I'll tell you what I think it means. He's very frustrated with specifically Devontae Adams, but some of the other receivers not getting open. Jeff Jan is not knowing the playbook as well as he should, and, and Jones not getting as open as he was early in the season. He's frustrated. So he knows he can count on Randall Cobb. And, you know, he's not, you know, Randall Cobb's the stud. It's his guy. But he wants another option, another guy. He wants to try something else. And obviously, Aberderis has done it well enough in practice that there's things that he's seen. So maybe it was, a, I think half of it was praise for Aberderis, and the other part of it was he's been critical of the other guys who aren't making plays that are getting more of the snaps, more of the play. You know, I guess it's one of those things where if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it's kind of broke. So, he wants a fix. He wants a different option. He wants them to try something. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. How he phrases it and, and how his tone is interpreted and that sort of thing. I mean, we could – who really knows? But I, he's definitely frustrated. And I think that that was a better option than saying, hey, the other guys aren't playing well, which right. I think in his mind he probably would like to say, but knows that it's better not to. So, right, but – Part of me also thinks though. Part of me also thinks though, Scotty. Though, like, I mean, like, you can interpret tone, but don't you think? I mean, we we all know Rogers is a smart man. Don't you think he's poignantly saying something along those lines where he, you know, like if he wants to say something. Like, I still remember that that Tuesdays with with Aaron episode after that Seattle debacle with the fail Mary a few years back. He came in and had pointed statements, and he's not a. He won't just say something just out of his butt. He there's a well, there's a I mean there's a precision that he has with each well, of his but words, I'm gonna right? Be, I'm going to be sure, but I'm going to be as consistent as I was with the old the old gunslinger number four when he wanted personnel people in here and he got mad when they didn't sign certain guys. He's not a GM. His job is to play. Now he can want somebody out on the field and he can maybe influence the general manager when it comes to signing players in the offseason. But the bottom line is. His job is to try to make plays with whoever's on the field. Because I, as much as I, I like Jared Aberdeer, and I'd love to have him do well, I, he could be out there t- uh, Sunday and play 15 snaps and get hurt. And then what? Then you're back to having to try to throw to Devontae Adams and Jeff Janis and whoever else is out there. So you still have to play with the personnel that's out there. And I know all the, all the big-name players, all the superstar players do that. They like to have their opinions, and they like to play – uh, fantasy GM, so to speak, and but he, it's still you know what he can have his opinions. He's entitled to them. But go on play and make some plays because there was a big stretch up until about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where his play was subpar. He wasn't escaping the pocket. He seemed like he had uh, he was seeing ghosts and he was afraid to escape the pocket and and holding on to the ball longer than he should and going reverting back to some of his bad habits from a few years ago. And again, I think he's great. I love the guy. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. But he's not—he's not immune from criticism when he doesn't play well. So before he starts calling out personnel changes, he'd like to see there's things he hasn't necessarily done great uh, since week five of the season, and he's got to own some of that as well. Yeah, and with that, I mean, we talk so much about this offense, and I think you know this has become a fact where. This isn't a team that can rely on that offense, obviously, uh, this year. But you look at what the defense, you know, they win 30-20. to 20, But, you know, this defense has been 
very, uh, I would say, I mean, obviously the total yards, like Oakland outgained almost by, I don't know, the full 80 yards. But, you know, the, the defense is doing its job. Special teams, uh, Mason Crosby had was it, three field goals in that game. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, like you have that the coverage units that I mentioned earlier where, I mean, as much as people want him on offense, I think Jeff Janis found his niche here, at least for now, uh, on the de- as special teams, I should say, as a you know as the coverage guy, as one well of those guys, um, you know, that plays on, on punt coverage. But also, Grant made I don't necessarily necessarily the biggest fan of him taking the ball out of the end zone nine yards and returning it to the twelve. Uh, I'm not a big necessarily a big fan of that, but he has shown some explosiveness in those kickoff returns that you haven't really seen in the past few years. And, and you know, this is a team now where that's going to have to rely on their defense, on their special teams to get them through because, you know, the offense will get them down the field for a certain extent. But then, I mean, they have to rely on, on Crosby and they and when they can't connect, you know, when they're too far out, they're going to have to ha- rely on Mass Day and that punk coverage unit to make sure that they keep them keep in that coming up this week, especially the Cardinals uh, with, with Carson Palmer uh, among others and, and, and David Johnson and you have Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd. These guys, they're going to have to keep the Cardinals on that side of the field to give that the Packers a chance uh, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Look, they're, they're the number one scoring offense, at least in the NFC, not in football. I know the Patriots are right there with them. Um, they're going to be tough, man. I mean, the one thing that helps the Packers' offense, although the offense hasn't played well against bad defenses, is they you know, they lose uh, Tyrone Matthew. Um, he's out for the year defensively for Carolina. But that offense is really good. Uh, Carson Palmer wasn't good enough to get me into my fantasy Super Bowl because he decided that they were going to hand off to Johnson, who got three touchdowns. They're a dual threat. They've got three great receivers. they got a experienced quarterback who's had a couple of really good years. Last year before he got hurt, and this year he's been playing great. They've got a running game that is benefited by a really good run-blocking offensive line because they've had three different guys they've plugged in there, and they've had some success. Chris Johnson, uh, David Johnson, prior to that, uh, Andre Ellington had a couple of big games. So they've been very good. They've been very consistent, and they score a lot of points. So the task for the Packers defense is they're going to be a little bit more overburdened simply because they're going to have to do a little bit more to stop that offense because the Packers right now, the way their offense is playing, absolutely cannot win a shootout. They will not win a shootout with Carolina, with uh, Arizona or with Carolina for that matter because we saw that earlier in the year. <laughs> if the game becomes a shootout, it's going to be a problem for them. So the defense is going to have to overachieve. They're going to have to have some things go similarly uh, this week than it happened last week with a couple of interceptions. Pick six would be nice, so those are hard to predict. But they're going to have to force some turnovers. And, man, I don't know. This There's a part of me that thinks this thing can get ugly early and really get out of hand. Yeah, it it, it could. And obviously, though, it's up to – the Packers are going to need to prepare well. And in in that defense, like you mentioned, is going to have to hold when they need to. And it's, it's not going to be – uh, a easy challenge, and you know Arizona wants that that second buy as well. And you know there's there what does it looks like? And they'll lock it up. They'll yeah. lock they'll lock it up with a win. I mean, you know they've they've clinched the division now, but they'll lock that up with a victory. Uh, they'll get the number two seed, and you know then they can think about you know resting players with the bye week and and whatnot. So 
And you know what? As good as they've been and as good as Carolina is and undefeated and I can't take nothing away from them, I'm still sticking by what I said in preseason, which looked ridiculous after week five. Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. So uh, Russell Wilson looks like a – not to change subjects, we'll get back on back. Looks like a a whole different quarterback than he did the first seven weeks of the season. The defense is back to making plays and keeping teams out of the end zone. So I I, I think we're going to get a rematch of the last two Super Bowls. But anyway – talk more about that once the playoffs get underway yeah yeah and it's you have that and obviously yeah i mean there's plenty of challenge in the nfc that or that right now look better than the packers now and but like mccarthy said it's either 10 and 4 it's um and and they're 5 and 2 both home and away and and they go into their final two games and, and on, on that note too i mean you're still looking at looking at the standings and packers did clinch that playoff berth uh, with the fact that the Giants lost uh, on Sunday, but uh, you know Minnesota is still just a game a game off, and they're at nine and five, and uh, they'll have to depend upon. I mean, if they can win, this helps lock up the the division. But uh, you also have you know they're at least toward getting towards the division. But uh, Minnesota, you know, that sets up if they lose, they sets up a date with the Vikings uh, last game of the season, which many people predicted uh, for the division. Uh, you know, two Sundays from now. And so now we're looking at, uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, it, it, it's going to be a rough game. If they can pull off the, the win, uh, which I think they could, but like I said, I'm picking Cardinals, I'll say 30-21 right now. Uh, I think it'll be 30-21 to in, in favor of the Cardinals. Uh, but if they do pull off the win, I think that's positive momentum. I don't know how they'll do it. But like you said, the defense will have to stop it. Uh, the special teams will have to play really well. And, the, the offense is just going to have to take advantage of the fact that Honey Badger is not going to play, and, and they can they'll try to try to exploit that defense and, and, and the holes. But you have Patrick Peterson among others uh, that have been solid this year. So uh, what can they do? I, it's going to be a tall task, especially at Arizona. If it was at Green Bay, it might be something different. But uh, you're looking at the fact that Arizona, I mean, could lock I mean lock up the bye, and and from there uh, Packers would be looking you know, to I mean fight for their their the title the division title against Minnesota the next week. Yeah, I'd say they lose 38-20. to 20. Um, I think Minnesota wins this week against the Giants without Beckham, which is an interesting storyline uh, subplot. And I think it sets up a essentially a one-game uh, playoff for the division. Um, though both teams will qualify for the playoffs with Minnesota's win coming up, I think, this week. So I think it's all going to come down to the, the Week 17 matchup at Lambeau. Absolutely, and let's look around the NFL real quick. You mentioned the Seahawks. Obviously, Russell Wilson playing really well right now, uh, and and you know obviously they were many people left them not for dead. I think I think I don't know. I, I think you and me kind of thought that they'd make they'd turn it around at some point. Oh I, but, yeah, I never I never left him for dead. And I'll tell you what, I know we want to put it all on him, and that's great. But I'll tell you the one difference between say him and Aaron Rodgers. I watched a couple of games in their entirety. Nobody's touching him. That offensive, I mean, he's not even getting knocked down, you know, barely hurried. And it makes a big difference. The big, where, you know, the Packers offensive line been banged up most of the year. And at one point in, in the Bears game, they had four starters out or whatever. It was. So, or I'm sorry, in the Lions game. So, it, there's a difference, too. Again, as much as I put some of this on Aaron Rodgers, the offensive line hasn't been nearly as good as it was advertised to be this year. And Russell Wilson is just, I mean, he can sit back there and make a sandwich. 
and yeah. he's completing passes to Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and, and Jermaine Curse, who are all average receivers at best, but they're getting open, and he's finding them, and he's got plenty of time to find them. And when those receivers have time to get open, eventually they're gone. Right. And, I mean, looking at his stats, I mean, he has been sacked the third most by any quarterback in the league. Wilson has 40 sacks. That was early on in the year, really. I mean, yeah, a lot of that. Uh, that that's the difference. Early on, Rogers wouldn't get sacked at all, and Wilson was getting murdered. And now, as the season again, sometimes it's about who's hottest at the end of the year. Now he's not getting touched, and Rogers is getting hit. So right, absolutely, yeah. And and you're looking at the fact that uh, Wilson, 29 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Uh, he uh, Palmer actually has has the most yards per attempt for passing at 8.82. Wilson just behind at 8.55 yards per attempt. And, I mean, you know, you look at just some of the, uh, even with the completion percentage, almost 69%, uh, very nice percentage uh, there for Wilson. And, yeah, but, yeah, you mentioned it. The team that gets hot towards the end of the year, you saw it with the Giants uh, back in 07. You saw the Packers. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and now you're looking at Seahawks are peaking at the right time. The, The, you know, the Cardinals, well, have the division they have the division wrapped up and whatnot, but uh, the Seahawks are a dangerous team. Anyway, let me ask you this then: Who do you think? Who would you rather face, the Cardinals or the Seahawks in, in the playoffs? Neither. Neither. And neither. Neither. Yeah, yeah. Neither. Yeah. But well, well, if you had a chance between the two, who would you choose? Uh, if I had to pick, I mean, I think they're neck and neck. But if I had to pick one, I'd rather face in the playoffs. Maybe the Cardinals, because. There's one element that Seattle has that nobody else knows right now. They've been there before. They've been in big games before. They've been the back-to-back Super Bowl. So there's something to be said about that, too. Uh, the fact that they were able to come all the way back. We, we, if we have to rehash last year's NFC title game, they won't be phased by anything. I don't know that the Cardinals will be either, but if I had to bet which team would be less likely to, to be psyched out by a big playoff game, Seattle would be less likely to have that stuff bother them. So I think if I had to face somebody out of the two, I'd rather face Arizona because yeah. I guess the Seahawks, they're, they've been there. I mean, they're the defending, the defending NFC champs. And so, but they're both, I mean, both of those teams would be tough. Carolina would be tough. Uh, the Packers are, I think are the fourth best team in the NFC. That's plain and that simple. Thought they were the number two team coming into the season in the NFC, but right now at this stage, they're the fourth best team. Yeah. So uh, anything else with the NFL? Obviously, you're seeing some with you know the Patriots keep doing the Patriot thing. Uh, Melvin Gordon was uh, yeah. placed on IR uh, due to the knee injury. It's <laughs> his disappointing 2015 season only. Oh, yeah, a touchdown, yeah. 600 yards. Nah. No, I think the um, I think it's amazing he doesn't have a touchdown. Meanwhile, Danny Woodhead gets three. Um, I think it's I, I think the offense, the, you know. I think like the Beckham use, thing, okay. uh, the, 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 the Odell Beckham thing was an interesting story. Now, he's suspended. He'll miss the Minnesota game. Completely taken out, mentally taken out of that game. I think early on by some of the pregame uh, taunting, then by the drop touchdown pass on that first drive, and then he just let Norman get in his head, and then he retaliated with some stupid penalties. And then he played well for the last half of the fourth quarter, but a little bit too little too late. And just foolishness. But I, I will say this before I, I completely rip Odell Beckham. I think Carolina's got a little bit of punk in them. I think they're a little bit of punk. 
I think they're trash talkers led by their quarterback who's had a great season and, and by all means deserves to be an MVP or one of the top two or three. But a lot of trash talking, and you know what? It's working for them. They're psyching out teams. They're making teams mad. They're making players mad. And they're winning games, and they're 14-0. and Be careful, because if they match up with a team like Seattle, Seattle's not going to be psyched out by that. They can, t- they can talk the talk just like anybody. So use it to your advantage now. But, again, if I had to take right now Seattle or Carolina, I'm still taking Seattle. Seattle or Cardinals, taking Seattle. Seattle or Green Bay, taking Seattle. So, at least at this juncture, as we're heading into week 16, that's the team to beat, until it's not. Right. Uh, on that note, just some quick news. Obviously, uh, James White with his fifth, former Wisconsin running back, fifth touchdown for Patriots. They've started to utilize him a lot more. He's had like a 100-yard <laughs> receiving game. He's looked good, mm-hmm. obviously, ever since LeGarrette Blunt went out. And, and he, they've utilized him nicely. They actually signed Steven Jackson uh, recently as yeah. well. Uh, which uh, we'll see what they do, but Monte Paul is uh, still on the practice squad there. He's, you know, uh, James White has looked good not since Luger Bont went down, but actually since Deion Lewis went down because Deion Lewis go. was that pass catching back that they could line up in the slot and they could do different things with, and who had some dual purposeness to him. And they lost Deion Lewis. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Plug in James White. He knows the offense. He's studied well. He's got a good team in front of him, and they plugged him right in, and he's essentially duplicated a lot of that production that they thought they were losing. So, um, and good for him. I mean, the fact that he's made himself that versatile, um, you know, and, and they like the power back to go along with that pass catching threat. And, you know, it's not Blount and Lewis right now. Right now it's uh, Bolden or the other guy who I saw running last week. And then Gordon's the, you know, the yin to the yang, so to speak. I'm sorry, White is like the yin to the yang, so to speak. He's the, you know, the the Warwick Dunn to the Mike Allstott for 90s and early 2000 football fans. So, yeah. <laughs> but really, Warwick Dunn, I mean, Warwick Dunn was that first quote-unquote third down back that broke out into a feature role. Because there were guys like Warwick Dunn before, but they were really limited. They were the third down back. And Warwick Dunn's like, yeah, I might be small, but I can be a lead back. I can have 20 touches. And now guys like, you know, James White and, and so many other players now of Danny Woodhead have filled that role that actually that work done pioneered. Yeah, no, it's, it's I I lived down in Florida during that time. Uh, when, uh, and down in Fort Myers. And that was when everyone got on the Buccaneers um, bandwagon, if you will, uh, with Allstott mm-hmm. and Dunn, they had Brad Johnson and, uh, and Warren Sapp and them, and I remember watching Allstott, who was out of Purdue, so he's a big a Big Ten back, and that it was a uh, I gotta say, I mean that was that was a potent duo, very potent duo, and it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how what they do now with with you know Stephen Jackson and then James, you know what James White, if his role continues to expand. I mean, he does have a, a couple of rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, yeah, so, but, no, good for yeah, good for him, good and for him, obviously and good for obviously the other the, uh, Badgers, you know, other Badgers that are going to the Pro Bowl. JJ Watt, obviously, his name's in there. You have uh, Wilson that we mentioned earlier, Travis Frederick, uh, which obviously it's this funny year for the Dallas Cowboys. But then you also have uh, Joe Thomas, who's you feel bad for him in Cleveland, uh, but he's found a home there. But it's his, uh, you know, obviously the arguably the best left tackle in the league. I uh, had. 
to back to Hawaii. So at least that's a small consolation. Uh, you know, it's bottom of the hour. It's about 8.32 Central Time here, 9.32 here uh, Eastern Time if you're listening out east. Uh, thanks for listening to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter, which is your one-stop shop for all Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. Discussion, too, within our each story that we write, each post, post that we deliver and publish to everyone out there. And thanks for listening. Uh, Scotty and I have some uh, fun news we'll announce next week about a, uh, about a new our new sponsor, uh, which we're really excited about, and we'll we'll, we'll dive mm-hmm. into that next week. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of tease that out there. Uh, great stuff there. I may also have an announcement on my end, uh, which uh, I'll tease out a little bit too. Scotty doesn't actually know this part. He's he's no he knows a little bit about it. But uh, we'll, uh, hopefully I have some good news in the coming week or two on that note uh, pertaining to some walk-on. Uh, if people know some of the articles that I've done uh, pertaining to the walk-ons, there might be an announcement about that uh, going forward. But uh, with, with the Badgers, you know, and this is, like I said, I, I talked about it earlier. Uh, in the beginning, Scotty and you and I both talked about it, you know, kind of just mentioned it briefly, just, all of a sudden, you and I finish up the podcast maybe nine, nine, ten, nine, fifteen. So I'm about ready to go to bed about ten, ten thirty. Our managing editor, the site manager, Mike Mike Fiametta, decided to message me and and say, "Hey, are you up?" And I said, "No, no, not not up. That I'm about ready to go to bed." And he said, "Turn on Big Ten Network." Like, and what? And he's like, "Bo Ryan's retiring." I run straight to the TV, turn it on, and next thing you know, there is uh, Bo Ryan and our beat writer there, Curtis Hogg, uh, was there. And next thing you know, Bo Ryan, after 747 victories, uh, I forgot how many, like 364, I believe, in the big uh, as Wisconsin head coach, 14 uh, NCAA appearances for the Badgers since he started. And then on top of that, uh, seven, you know, count of seven Big Ten championships, decides to hang it up, and now places it in the hands of Former associate coach, now interim head coach, Greg Gard. How surprised were you by the announcement? And uh, it just seems like odd timing, but then again, maybe this is what Bo wanted. Obviously, I mentioned it before, Scotty. Maybe this is something that he wanted to give Gard his shot after uh, some of the the health problems that uh, Gard's father went through earlier this year. Yeah, I uh, I was surprised by it too, um, you know. So, uh, but I, I've I've got some reasons why I think that uh, I have a reason why I think some of that happened too. I know he wants to give Greg Gard a shot. I, I think that the team underperforming a little bit and a little bit to go into that. He wants to make sure Greg Gard gets a good look. I think he did it. I don't know, I don't know that he did it for the right reasons. It's his choice. He's done great things. It's hard to be overly critical, but. I don't like the timing of it, man. I really don't. Well, what don't you like about it? Nope, Scotty, you there? Scotty, you're still muted, buddy. If you if you put it on mute. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Did you hear? Oh. Did you hear me? Nope, I did. Did you hear my? Oh, I'm sorry. I so what I was saying about Bo Ryan is I I understand that he wanted to give Greg Gard. Um, an opportunity and he wanted him to be the, the selection, but obviously that's going to be up to Barry. I, what does it, what I don't like about it is I think it was a 
partially because he wants his guy to get a, a good look as we had in the, the start of the Big Ten season and maybe earn a shot. I also think the team underperforming a little bit and, and maybe the fact that he knew that it was going to be his last year, I, maybe he didn't want to put in all the, the effort on the team. So, you know. Yeah, no, it's uh, – I. If you did, you know, a lot of people have the speculation. Obviously, it sounded like they they were talking about things, and even like uh, Jim Poulton, one of our uh, good friends over at the Wisconsin State Journal, he's the Badgers beat writer for the State Journal over here in Madison, and he had a really interesting article, and he had a little bit um, just taking a did look. Did they compare at, him to Del? Did they compare him to Del Harris? Because he kind of Del Harris drag guard, I think. Um, he, he, he didn't. He didn't. Dell Harrison, but he basically had mentioned. Just taking a look at these. Um, looking at what he said, uh, according to Polzine in an interview with the Wisconsin State Journal, uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director uh, Barry Alvarez did note that uh, he hasn't spoken to Bo Ryan since uh, Ryan's uh, late night announcement last week. He also. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, basically, his retirement papers did come back, so he has officially ended his his what fourteen plus year career at Wisconsin. But uh, you know, it it really uh, ugh, yeah, yeah, reading through this that um, it wasn't until Tuesday afternoon, just a few hours before the game, that the situation had moved to end game mode, according to Polzine. Alvarez, this is directly from the article on the Wisconsin State Journal. Make sure you check it out. Alvarez, along with Deputy Athletic Director Walter Dickey and Senior Associate Athletic Director Justin Doherty, met with Ryan with two of his attorneys at Ryan's condominium. Uh, Ryan said he was ready, Alvarez said, and felt this was the right time, and he walked through everything. But Guard didn't find out, by the way, Guard didn't find out till Tuesday afternoon. So which, uh, according to Paul Zine said, uh, you know, it seems odd uh, that, that if Alvarez and Ryan had discussions about pulling the plug at semester break, uh, which, uh, you know, it was the reason when we heard Bo Ryan talk about it at that press conference, he had said that, you know, semester was it. You know, why didn't guard, why wouldn't he have been notified earlier? So, uh, you know, it's an odd situation. It's, uh, uh Polzin has, has uh, some great uh, questions on that too, uh, you know? He has, yeah, 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 no, you're right, and I want to read that article because let's just, call, let's just call it what it is, okay? Unless there were health reasons, then it's none of our business if he doesn't want to me, if you weren't a hundred percent invested when you started the season, you should have retired at the end of the year last year. Because it's not really fair to the kids. It's not. It's not fair to you know. I'm not saying it's unfair to the recruits that he decided this was going to be his last year because it, it happens. Everybody comes to to this the twilight of their career. If he wasn't committed and, and fully vested and all in, then he shouldn't have started the season as a head coach. You know, I still feel that he wanted. You know, he he probably I, – I, I still think part of me thinks he talked about it, retiring, wasn't guaranteed that he was going to be able to handpick his successor. So he somehow monopolized the situation to get somewhat of what he wanted. But regardless of that, whether that's it or not, I just don't like it. Again, unless you have a, a legitimate health or personal reason for it, you shouldn't have started the season if you weren't going to finish it. He's a coach that has preached to players and to, to kids and to other coaches that he's mentored. You finish what you start. So to me, it's hypocritical. He didn't finish what he started this year. So 
it probably would have been better for the program, especially when you look at how the, the season has started and it doesn't look like it's going to be a great year. He probably should have just retired after the, the championship game and let this team move on to the next chapter of what still is a very strong program in a strong university with a strong athletic department. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And like I said, we don't know what, um, obviously, with what Guard had noted, uh, or not Guard, but Ryan had noted about, uh, with, with Greg Guard, with his father, who was, uh, who passed away with, due to a former cancer, um, you know, he said that, um, he said that was the case so that he didn't have to deal with being a first-year head coach. But, you know, I, I guess like the question is, and I, I was imposed on this on a couple of I've had I've done a, about three podcasts and, and radio shows in the past week, and and they ask, you know, is this something that uh, is this you know Bo trying to get guard in? I think it's a good situation for guard to prove himself now. I think he's, and here's the thing about guard that I like. He, this is a guy that has the ability to. He he's given been given a bunch of responsibilities by Ryan, where he's been uh, recruiting uh, heads of recruiting. He's uh, works with scout team. He he works from what I've heard scheduling from other rep- media reports. So this is a man that has, that's really been given a lot of delegation of responsibility by Ryan, uh-huh. and has helped produce these teams that have gone to 14 straight win, yeah. you know, these 14 straight uh, tournament appearances, and hasn't dropped below fourth in the Big Ten conference uh, since then. So. I think he's, sure. I think he's a great fit. I think he's a the right fit. Uh, yeah, but I also feel like you know, depending, on, you can tell that Ryan wants that ability. Ryan wants wanted guard to get this spot uh, because he's groomed him for it. But I also feel Alvarez has that ability. I mean, he's the director of athletics. This is a, right, you know, and, and he doesn't like to be challenged or told what he should or shouldn't do. There's there's still all the things we loved about Barry as a coach. Some people have to take with that when he became the athletic director. He still does it Barry's way. So the other thing, too, is maybe guard is the right fit. But I've, how many times have we seen a top assistant on, of great coaches not necessarily become great head coaches? If he becomes the choice full-time, I hope he does. I think it's unfair to judge him on this year because it's not really his. He didn't get to buy the, all the groceries. I mean, he helped. He was ahead of recruiting. But I think it's it's unfair. You got to give him a full year of of the, an off season and all that stuff to do his thing. But I hope he is the right answer. I hope they play well under him. I hope they play better than they played to start the season in a really tough Big Ten conference schedule. However, there's no guarantee that he's the right guy, and he might not be the guy Barry wants because Barry might want a different, a higher profile guy. Maybe Dick Bennett Jr. Some other names that I've seen bantied about. Um, who knows? I'm, and Barry's not going to say anything because he doesn't want to necessarily rock the vote or, or show any dissension between him and his current head basketball coach, who will obviously more than likely finish the season as the head coach. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I'm intrigued to see what Alvarez does. Obviously, you referenced Tony Bennett, who's over at Virginia. Yeah, there's uh, talks about Ben Jacobson in Northern Iowa. Uh, who, yeah. You know who has not been uh, a player. You know who. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like there, there are these names out there that uh, who, who could the Badgers get? And and it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I think right now with with the players that they have, I think you look at the fact that guards the right. I think he's the right fit. But like you said, like how will will Alvarez go after Bennett? And uh, and things though after this whole. Uh, the, 
kind of the I'll, I'm not going to call it a debacle, but the situation with with Ryan announcing like, oh, I'm going to take a year left, and you know, I'll take the, you know, this will be my last year. I'm going to hopefully get over the guard. Then you know, Barry saying, well, ah, hold on a second, you know, with with all this talk, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Ah. Is Bennett uh, the only choice that would make Badger fans? Uh, and, and I'm not saying that Bennett's better than Bo Ryan. I, and that's all I'm saying. But with Bo, knowing that Bo was going to retire anyway, is Bennett really the only choice that is going to make Wisconsin fans ecstatic? Or is it a matter of whether it's guard or whether it's a coach from some of these other programs we talked about, uh, you know, or, or even Drew or anybody like that? Uh, but will any of those make the Badger fans happy unless it's Bennett because he seems like the only person high profile enough to replace a guy like Bo Ryan? Right. I mean, and that's, and that's the one thing that we'll see. Uh, and uh, guard has that ability now. He has the, he has the last non-conference game against UW Green Bay, which is tomorrow. But then you'll mm-hmm. also have going, going forward next week, you start the big 10 schedule. You start off with, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just make sure I have my yeah. everything right. I think, I, you, I think you're looking at Purdue. Yeah. You know, start off the bat and, and it, it's not going to be. Baptism. It, welcome. Welcome to your christening. I mean, oh, yeah. that, it's not. There's no easy ones in in that. I mean, Green Bay, fine. You know, that's the warm up, and then yeah, here it comes. So yeah, no, it's it's um, not going to be a. Um, yeah, it's not going to be an easy ride at all. Uh, well, so, I don't want. I, I I as much as I I feel strongly that Bo Ryan kind of played the system. Um, it doesn't take away from the career he's had and from what he's done for this program. So those things, I think, have to be separate. I mean, if you want to judge the whole body of what of work, you can throw this in, if if you want. But uh, I think what he did as coach of this this program elevated the program to even bigger heights than even Dick Bennett did. I think he was the best head coach this team has ever had, one of the greatest of all time. Despite that, I don't like the way this situation got handled. So. Yeah, no, so. it's it, it, it's intriguing. We'll see what comes of it. Obviously, uh, going forward, and and uh, it's like I said, it starts. You're looking at uh, you're starting. It starts tomorrow night. The guard. I mean, they've already started the practice. They've already it's the, started. It's yeah. the changing of the guard. <laughs> uh, actually, I think that's actually what uh, from our friend Ben Wargle from BadgerNation.com. I'm pretty sure he actually utilized that. Uh, oh, well, of course. But if, <laughs> see, if we uh, would have been on last week, I would have been the first to say it, and then I would have been getting a credit. So, uh, it's all good. Now, we're looking at Purdue at home next Tuesday, 6 p.m. They they uh, play Rutgers the day after New Year's, but then they have Indiana, Maryland, uh, and and you know it'll be. We'll see what this team does, and uh, we'll see how this team responds to everything. So, um, other than that, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more next week we'll have a guest on breaking down the you're going to have the uh what call it? Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll have the table. i can't wait yeah 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 we'll have some badger talk we'll have some packer stuff going on um anything else that uh, you want to touch on before we uh we hit the road brother yeah uh first of all an interesting couple interesting bucks notes uh good win against phoenix Big collapse against Golden State. They were I thought they were going to win that game for quite some time. Um, they really got in Golden State's head, which to me is petty. I'll tell you what. I, the only thing I hate 
Jake, you know this. There might be things I am irritated by, but the only thing I hate is hypocrites. I love the fact that the Golden State Warriors were the ones upset because somebody celebrated too emphatically. Hey, Pot, meet the kettle. Um, but whatever. It was kind of fun and entertaining. The other thing before we get to the Jason Kidd thing is I really like the games I've gotten to see where Gus Johnson and Marcus Johnson are doing the, the, the play-by-play. They make this thing feel special and feel new, the rebranding. I know Gus Johnson's only doing 20 games. Marcus is doing 55. Um, I love Johnny Mack, but he's at the end of his career. He's already said that. I love what Marcus Johnson's doing, and I really like the tandem of Gus and Marcus Johnson. I, I think that it sounds fresh. It sounds I, – I like it a lot. That being said, um, Jason Kidd's going to miss some time, likely six to eight weeks with a degenerative hip injury that requires surgery that goes all the way back to his playing career. So both the number one Division One basketball team and the NBA team are down a coach. Uh, again, one retiring and one taking some medical time off. So be interesting to see what the Bucks do under uh, their interim regime. Absolutely, and uh, best wishes to Kate. It's, it's weird, man. A, a week ago after we ended this podcast, we, two of the Wisconsin, two of, I'd say two of three Wisconsin state coaches that are well-known uh, were, were, were still intact, and now uh, funny how a day makes or a week makes, for that matter. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but on that note too, just FYI, uh, Scotty and I will be attending the NXT ta- uh, house show in Milwaukee. I don't know if those that uh, I wonder if our friend Wes Hodkowitz will uh, make it there as well. But uh, you have the fact that uh, those tickets sold out. I think pretty much by pre pre sale, like by the time they opened at 9 a.m. Uh, that the tickets were sold out. It's going to be at Turner Hall on Thursday, January 14th. And uh, excited yeah. for that. Uh, we're going to try to their get some evil plan. Their, their evil plan is backfiring because they're trying to run Ring of Honor out of Turner Hall by making the building exclusive like Vince did in the 80s when he started taking over arenas. But that building might they, – they oversold the building. I mean, they could upgrade to the Eagles Club, the upstairs at the Rave, where they could hold more pe- – that's a huge turnout and great pre-sales for a very nice venue. It's a great building, but obviously now a little too small when you consider how quickly tickets sold. Next time they come to Milwaukee, I think they're going to need a bigger building because uh, they obviously supply and demand. Well, there's a lot of demand, so you got to need you're going to need a little bit more supply to to keep that going. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's going to be huge with the. I would say really uh, the the fact that you get to the Eagles ballroom, uh, that would be, I think, <laughs> ideal uh, for, for them. But, yeah, they yeah. sold out there. I mean, you have Green Bay, Chicago. Or Green, Green Bay, I don't, I don't know if it's sold out yet. But I know Chicago Chicago is, and, and it, it you know, it's a, it's a hot brand, and we'll be there. Hopefully we can get some of our uh, – hopefully we can get – Someone from NXT on there. Uh, I'm shooting for for Bailey, uh, just because uh, she's the NXT Women's Champion, and it's really uh, uh, I'm really uh, intrigued to see who that. I mean, you have Samoa Joe, Finn Balor on there. Uh, you're gonna have you're it's gonna be a good show. It's gonna be a really sh- solid show. Uh, so we'll, we'll be intrigued to watch that uh, unfold, and we'll have more coming up in just about two three weeks now. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Dude, I so. got January. 
is not only the month of my birth, but it's a huge month in what is the beginning of the end to my in-ring wrestling career. I got a match on the 2nd for Angel Armani in South Milwaukee at MIAW. I got a match on the 10th for our friend Eddie Brown uh, in Legacy Pro Wrestling at my last Milwaukee in-ring wrestling performance ever. I'll be taking on Jack Spade. And then Ooh. I'll be finishing up a few dates in lacrosse in uh, February, March, and likely April, and I'm done. Like, I'm still ring announced, but I'm done, done. So very few chances left to see me. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things that obviously you've done a lot for a lot of careers, uh, booking people. Obviously, I, without you, I wouldn't, uh, one, I, we wouldn't be doing this podcast, but two, uh, I wouldn't have had the the fun times I've had with with you and and, and Brian and others at the uh, with with the Rebels wrestling and then also going on our road trips and and with with our our feud on that for Fusion Pro Wrestling and among many other things uh, many other inside jokes and other uh, other fun things as well. So uh, like I said, it's a uh, you know it, it's sad to see you go, but I know that you're still going to do the ring announcing uh, and you are wonderful at that. Uh, along with your podcast duties, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. I really do. We got to get you out to, you know. Oh, oh, I'll be wrestling on the ninth. Also, I the tenth for Legacy, but the ninth, I'll be in Rubicon, which isn't okay. too far from your house, uh, over at the Rubicon Ranch. So I don't know. Uh, we got to get oh, you out the, to one. Oh, you're gonna be at the Rubicon Ranch. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not so, called that anything. It's called something else now, but. But it's in the it's the same building. It's the old Rubicon Ranch. So, all right. Well, I will definitely try to, um, yeah. No, we'll try to make it out there. Uh, on that note, guys, like I said, uh, we'll come back. I just want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, we won't wish you a, next, a Happy New Year until next next week after we finish our, our Holiday Bowl episode. But uh, just thankful again for you guys tuning in. We have we've had over two hundred and two thousand listens. Since July 2013, we couldn't do that without you all. So thank you, as we say in Polish. Polish, yeah, I forgot it already. I forget in Polish. It's the Polish Sion. So guys, just have merry, merry Christmas and that. Yeah, gazutai to me as well. So, uh, but Scott, you got anything else, brother? Before we take it home? You know, that's it. Um, you know, I appreciate people spending some time to listen live or download us on a. I'm sure a very busy, busy week for everybody with the holidays. And I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you're offended by that, too, you know, listeners, too bad. But I also wish you who don't celebrate Christmas a happy holiday season, a safe holiday season. And no matter what it is you celebrate, Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever it is, whatever you do, just take some time the next week. Take stock in the good things and the things that you have in your life that you should appreciate and use that time for that, regardless what holiday you celebrate. But I know Jake and I both celebrate Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Jake, and Happy Holidays to our listeners out there. And Merry Christmas to you too, Scotty. And uh, like I said, we'll check you guys next week, probably Tuesday night again, uh, the day before we'll have our Holiday Bowl preview. We'll, we'll highlight that. We'll talk, break down Packers, Cardinals, and also preview what's going to happen. You have the... The Packers and the Vikings probably battle it out for the division title. We'll see what a week makes and what comes of it. So uh, on behalf of everyone here, like I said, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We'll see you guys next week on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. 
Joseph Acheny, my friends. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Thank you. 